Well, well, well. Hey, hey, hey. G'day one, g'day all. Welcome to another episode of Strange Days with your host, Emois, South Driazmand. All right, let's kick it off. Let's rock and roll. Let's roll and rock. The ebb and the flow. The yin, the yang. Let us go. In truth, everybody runs around every day talking about truth, and they're trying to get to the truth, and they want to hear the truth. That's one of the biggest lies I've ever heard in my life. Most people have no desire whatsoever to even get within a hundred miles of the truth, and in some instances, that's too damn close. So my conclusion is, most of you are going to get exactly what you're going to deserve over the next who knows how many years. Some of us are going to rise to the occasion. We are going to shine. We are going to shine. We're going to sparkle like diamonds in the sunrise on the most beautiful day that you can remember that you've ever seen in your life. And we're going to do it simply and only because it's the right thing to do. For the human race.
Underground tunnels and hybrid breeding programs. The tunnels beneath Chabad headquarters in Brooklyn were immediately filled in with cement, ensuring that there would be no investigation to conflict with the nonsensical cover story that they were recently dug in response to the COVID lockdowns. In today's pop culture, it is speculated that they are related to child sex trafficking, which is indeed a horrific problem with the human race. But there seems to be something more to these tunnels. Tunnels leading underground are one of Earth's greatest mysteries and can be found all over the world and all throughout history. Phil Schneider, a structural engineer who spent 17 years as a military contractor building deep underground military bases, went on a tour giving lectures and blowing the whistle on what he witnessed. He claimed there were 129 deep underground bases in America alone, all of which were the size of a small city. He found that some of these underground bases were connecting to ancient underground tunnels and cave networks that were inhabited by a non-human species, which he ran into while building an underground base beneath Dulce, New Mexico. Schneider said that the Dulce area was a hub of underground bases, all connected by a high-speed underground rail system. Less than a year after blowing the whistle, Schneider died under suspicious circumstances. Dulce, New Mexico is 170 kilometers from the Four Corners, an area known for the skinwalkers, who the Hopi tribe describe as a non-human species that live underground. Dulce is 260 kilometers from Scientology's heavily guarded underground Trementina base. And Dulce is 200 kilometers from Jeffrey Epstein's Zorro Ranch, which is known to have an 8,000 square foot underground level and is rumored to lead even deeper underground. According to several prominent scientists who Jeffrey Epstein had as guests, Epstein hoped to seed the human race after a cataclysm by impregnating 20 women at a time at the Zorro Ranch. According to researcher Christopher John Bejerkness, the goal of breeding Jewish seed lines with Gentile women is the fulfillment of Kabbalistic legends of Samael and Lilith. According to Bejerkness, the Kabbalistic teachings include a geocentric model of the Earth with an underworld that extends seven levels beneath the surface where a reptilian species lives. These legends foretell a cleansing of the earth when everyone on the surface will perish and only those in the underworld will survive. High-level Freemasons allegedly believe in a hollow earth where a non-human species rule from an underworld called Agartha. And their most guarded secrets seem to revolve around a cyclical cataclysmic event. Phil Schneider also built submarine bases and said that most were connected to the vast network of deep underground bases. Ghislaine Maxwell had a submarine license and was known to transport people to Epstein Island through an underwater submarine port. The U.S. military built a submarine base on St. Thomas Island, which is just 13 kilometers from Epstein Island. And right next to this submarine base is Water Island, owned by Joe Biden's brother and their business associate. In a recent interview on Iconic, Juliette Bryant, who was kidnapped by Jeffrey Epstein for two years, said that she never witnessed any of the dozens of girls there being trafficked to any men other than Epstein. But she did wake up once paralyzed on a lab table 
and witnessed Epstein shapeshift into something else. You know, and I still want to know why exactly I was taken there because there's a lot more weird stuff going on because, you know, I didn't see any girls getting trafficked to other men. So uh, there's something else that they were doing. That's fascinating in, in itself, and we have a lot of um, talk, and this doesn't get talking about, spoken about that much, but it's the the kind of cloning DNA part that he was, obviously, transhumanism that he was interested in. Did that come up anywhere? Did you see any signs? Well, I mean, obviously, there's scientists. I'm just going to put it out there right now. I, I, I woke up in a laboratory there one night. Wow. And these are the things I haven't wanted to talk about because it's frightening. But there were scientists there. You know, and I, I woke up one night in a laboratory, paralyzed and naked on a table. I, w I would like to be lie detected on this. You know, there are other weird things that I saw. I saw Epstein shift in front of my eyes. It was very, very frightening. And it's something that I had to explain to myself because I saw him turn into something. Greg Reese reporting. Hey, the little greys back again, no doubt about it. <sighs> this man says that a cheap drug for dogs cured his cancer. Now, the problem is with this link is that it's going to take me to an ad or two. But I have played this. I haven't seen the actual real version of it. Okay, check this out. Cured your cancer. You better be ready for some skeptics. But Joe Tippin says it did save his life and others. And now even cancer researchers are open to the possibility it might be true. My neck, my liver, my pancreas, my bladder, in my bones. It was everywhere. Two years ago, Joe Tippin says he was told to go home, call hospice, and say his goodbyes. The doctors were unanimous he was going to die of small cell lung cancer. Once that kind of cancer goes that far afield, the odds of survival are less than 1% and the median life expectancy is three months. Tippin says he went from 220 pounds to 110, but that was January of 2017. Today, Tippins is very much alive, and what he credits for his survival has doctors scratching their heads and the rest of us raising eyebrows. About half the people think I'm just crazy, and half the people want to know more and dig deeper. Tippin says he got a tip, not from a pharmacist, but a veterinarian, and in his desperation, he turned from people medicine to dog medicine, specifically fimbindazole, or what you give a dog when it has worms. Yeah, truth is stranger than fiction, you know? Just three months later, <laughs> Tippin says his cancer was gone. I'm usually skeptical. And I was and maybe still am about uh, this one. But there's, there's a lot of, there's an interesting background to this. Cancer researchers like Stephen Prescott are skeptical, but they also are not dismissing this anti-parasitic's potential. He says Tippins is not the first person to potentially benefit, and maybe not the last. Scientists at many credible places have done work on this for years. But was it the dog dewormer, or was it something else? Tippins took the dog medicine with daily vitamin E supplements and CBD oil. He was also taking an experimental cancer-fighting drug. But Tippins says out of the 1,100 patients on that clinical trial, he was the only one cleared of cancer. Tippins says he was saved by the dog dewormer, and he plans to take it for the rest of his life. Oh, well, my insurance company spent $1.2 million on me. 
with traditional means before I switched to a $5 a week medicine that actually saved me. Prescott says he's now working with Tippins to organize a case study. We're going to do it and see if we can confirm that uh, in a very rigorous or a clinical study sort of way that these patients had that kind of response. As for Tippins, I've got now over 40 success stories other than me. He's sharing a story on an online blog that has already been read more than 100,000 times. Most of the feedback positive or curious some though accuse tippins of giving cancer patients false hope <laughs> false how do i answer that i mean if i've saved one other person other than me it's worth it to me all we know for sure is that joe tippins is alive in time perhaps we'll also know if this medicine made for man's best friend might also be man's newest cancer cure I think if um, Tippins keeps carrying on the way that Tippins does, Tippins will be getting tippened over a bridge somewhere. <clears throat> Self-suicided with three gun wounds to the back of the head and his hands tied behind his back and then wrapped himself up in a plastic bag and tossed into the Mississippi River. 93% of Australians are now anti-vaxxers. That's right by either never being injected or refusing to have another booster in the past six months or longer. Further, even 70% of those in residential aged care are also anti-vaxxers by refusing to be injected with a further experimental shot in the past six months. They're waking up, guys. All evil comes from Geneva, the throne of Satan. That's right. Do some homework. The throne where Satan dwells. Hello, this is Dave. And this is just a quick video to make a bit of sense of what's going on in the world today. Now, many of you would know, well, actually know what my views are of the uh, New Testament. But it's not actually scripture. It's more of a roadmap written by a very particular bloodline um, for their descendants in today's world. They're the ones who are running this world today. So I was looking at uh, um, the book of Revelation and I came across Revelation chapter 2 verse 13. And it reads, I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is, and thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even in those days where Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. Geneva. So it basically says that uh, Satan's seat is wherever um, this character called Antipas was slain, was put to death. Okay, so I did a little digging around and I found this, uh, this website that uh, um, was talking about this very subject. And this is it. Now, I'm just looking down through it. Um, and uh, down here at the end, it basically says, well, first of all, it lies about what the, uh, what the New Testament actually says. It reads, according to this page, it reads, I know your works and where you reside, even if you hold fast my name and have not denied my faith. Even these days where Antipas was a steadfast martyr among you who was slain by Satan. That's not what he says. <laughs> 
So essentially, even this website, and I imagine if I go looking for more, I'll find something similar on, on those websites. But this website actually tries to hide the fact that it tells you where Satan's seat is. But uh, if you read on on this page, it tells you Antipas was put to death during the reign of Nero. That's uh, 54 AD to 68 AD. Uh, burned in a brazen bull-shaped altar at the Apollyon Temple uh, in Lyon slash Geneva, Switzerland. So Satan's seat is in Switzerland, or more accurately, Geneva, Switzerland. Um, now that puts into perspective what uh, was said in this video. Everything evil in the world related to demo side unfortunately comes from Geneva. You have WHO in Geneva. You have Garvey. Then you have the WEF, the World Economic Forum, which my father was a co-founder and left Charles Schwab out of disgust in the early 80s, that has diplomatic immunity. I, as a Swiss citizen, right here now, declare that the WEF is not eligible anymore for diplomatic immunity. I call on the Swiss authorities and security to arrest those people immediately. Why? The WEF, WHO, Gavi, Big Pharma, Big Tech, Bill Gates, all advocated a global humanity injection by a bioweapon injecting nanolipids into 5.7 billion people. And we Swiss are hosting them? That's terrible. We cannot tolerate any entity that promotes poison to be injected into humanity. But you've done it. I'm the victim, I'm dying from it. And my mother too. It's a demo side and you'll be judged. It will be corrected in the name of humanity. If you have a house of cards, and this is a house of cards of a criminal, one card pulled by justice and the whole card house collapses. But from hope alone it is not done. Everybody must now change the spirit. And all the vaccinated, the injected, knowing that they are poisoned, we are the masses. We are billions of people. Let's just stand up and say, stop. We will not comply. And in French, ni oublie, ni pardon because we are the guardians of humanity and our light obliterates the darkness of evil. The darkness of evil. That's right. Israel. Ah, Israel wants to kill the hostages. Evidence of mass Hannibal. Secret recordings expose Israeli psyops against hostage families. According to an Israeli figure who was involved in the campaign to exchange Palestinian prisoners for captive Israeli soldiers, Gilad Shalit, the State of Israel has implemented the Hannibal Directive on the whole of the Gaza Strip. Mmm. Oi, flicking vey. 
Oi, oi, vei. Now, moving right along to Sesame Street. You have been told that Israel wants to save the hostages. Captured on October 7th. But what if you've been lied to? What if Israel's war cabinet has no intention of saving them? An investigative journalist made a bombshell discovery. Filmmaker and journalist Dan Cohen acquired secret recordings of the Netanyahu government pressuring Israeli families to sacrifice their children in Gaza in order for the genocide to continue so that Israel can conquer and colonize Gaza good. Stick around because I'm about to reveal the sickening details of this explosive investigation that confirms Israel's policy of sacrificing their own people. And you'll be surprised to hear that this theory is supported by prominent Israelis and has been reported by Israeli media. Yes, you heard that right. Israeli media. Now, I'm sure you've heard about the controversial Hannibal Directive, which is the Israeli doctrine of killing their own people to prevent the Palestinians from using them as bargaining chips during negotiations and prisoner swaps. The Hannibal Directive is a doctrine of sacrifice named after the Carthaginian general, who was one of the single greatest threats to Rome to ever live. For years, Hannibal delivered blow after humiliating blow to the Roman Empire. And even after the fall of Carthage, Hannibal swore an oath of revenge, so the Romans chased Hannibal across the world, hoping to capture him. But when they got close to doing just that, Hannibal decided he would rather die than allow himself to be captured, and so swallowed a vial of poison that he always kept with him just for such a situation. Israel sees killing its own citizens in much the same way, so as to deny their enemies any leverage during negotiations. Now, while it was speculated by many in the aftermath of October 7th that Israel implemented the Hannibal Directive, it has now become crystal clear, even irrefutable through Israeli media, no less, that Israel had done exactly that. But what if I told you this mass Hannibal is still happening? That it has been happening every day since October 7th? What if I told you that a major aim of the genocide in Gaza was in fact the continuation of this mass Hannibal? On January 15th, the Palestinians released a video of Israeli hostage Noah Argermani. Noah says that she had been injured in an Israeli airstrike and was trapped under the rubble for two whole days. She also says that two other Israeli hostages had been killed by Israeli strikes, one buried underneath the rubble and the other in a moving ambulance in Gaza. She implored Netanyahu to stop this madness and bring us home to our families. But these aren't the only Israeli hostages who have been killed or injured. According to Hamas, nearly 60 hostages have been killed by Israeli strikes. Several Israeli hostages released by Hamas have described the terror of being held in Gaza, unsure of whether or not they'd be killed by their own government. <laughs> An Israeli sociologist and military expert, Yagil Levy, told the Israeli newspaper Haaretz that Israel is indeed trying to carry out 
a mass Hannibal. The government's decision to attack Gaza, despite the presence of hostages in the bombed sites, can be considered an extension of the Hannibal procedure. That is, an attempt to thwart the continuation of the captivity, even at the cost of risking the lives of the hostages. The obvious explanation is that the right perceives the pressure to stop the fighting as endangering the pursuit of victory and revenge. Gaza, and therefore the lives of the abductees are another reasonable sacrifice that must be made. A reasonable and necessary sacrifice to justify the Gaza genocide. Gilad Shalit was a captured Israeli soldier that the Palestinians traded for over 1,000 Palestinians. In an interview with the Israeli media outlet Shomrim, an unnamed figure who was involved in the Gilad Shalit exchange said that Israel was invoking the Hannibal Directive. He says, Hamas expected this to be a repeat of the Shalit case. They thought that they would kidnap Israelis and that we would cave in. But the state of Israel has implemented the Hannibal Directive on the whole of the Gaza Strip. Now, as you can imagine, the families of the hostages are not happy about this. <laughs> they want their loved ones to be brought home. They're angry, and they have been organizing massive demonstrations, calling on Netanyahu to strike a deal and end the war to save their loved ones and live up to their promise of bringing them home, which was supposedly a key objective for Israel in this war. And some of the demonstrators are former hostages themselves. And so Netanyahu has been gaslighting the families of these hostages to convince them to sacrifice their own children so that he can achieve his political ambition of conquering Gaza and ethnically cleansing the Palestinians from it. You see, to Netanyahu and his cabinet, the families of the hostages are nothing but an obstacle that stands in the way of Israel's genocide in Gaza. But more importantly to him, they are endangering his political career. In a private meeting between Netanyahu and the family of the hostages, several far right-wing extremists whose family members were also taken hostage were brought in to try and convince everyone else that their pain should be set aside for the greater interests of the Israeli state. One of these far right-wing extremists, Ohad Zvi Lapidot, addressed the families. This is a secret audio recording of that exchange. Outrage, a mother of one of the hostages responded. What Lepidot said next set fire to the room. Now, as you can clearly tell, there is division amongst the families. Yet, after the meeting, the far right-wing extremist family members in support of Netanyahu sacrificing their children for conquest went outside and spoke directly to the media pretending to represent all of the families that had met with Netanyahu
by dividing the families and using guilt to dissuade them from standing in his way and then lying to both the public and the media, Netanyahu seeks to maintain his position that Gaza must be completely wiped off the map. This psyop, this lie, this betrayal of the families of the hostages of the Israeli citizenry, who are nothing but pawns to Israeli leadership, is how Netanyahu has been able to convince Israeli society to continue the war. Ever since this psyop took place, Netanyahu's war cabinet has implemented a mass Hannibal policy in Gaza, wiping out their hostages and removing all obstacles to the ethnic cleansing and genocide of the Palestinian people. In one case, the IDF used poison gas to kill an Israeli hostage, being held in an underground tunnel. In a chilling social media post, the mother of the murdered hostage said her son crushed his fingers trying to dig his way out of the tunnel before choking to death on the poisonous gas. She rightly asks, if it were Netanyahu's son being held hostage, would the IDF have acted so recklessly? She went on to say that, there is no future for this country after what they did to you. This poor mother raises an important point. What is the point of establishing a safe home for the Jews and expanding your territory through conquest for your own people if you have to murder your own people to achieve it? Pure psychopathy, guys. Pure psychopathy. There's no doubt about it. Lieutenant Colin Michael Aquino, U.S. Army, retired and founder of Temple of Set, has died by suicide. Confirmed, 10 states have sent NG or other law enforcements to protect our borders. There have been about 10 states so far that have sent National Guard or other law enforcements they now are joined together with us, and this is a fight for the future of America, Abbott said. TCN. We're thankful to be joined now by Governor Greg Abbott of Texas, who joins us by phone from India. Governor Abbott, thank you so much for joining us. If the administration declares that it plans to federalize the National Guard of the state of Texas, your National Guard, what will be your response? Well, first I'll be shocked. That would be a boneheaded move on his part, a total disaster. Uh, but for one, as you might imagine, we are prepared uh, in the event that that unlikely event does occur to, to make sure that we will be able to continue exactly what we've been doing over the past month, and that is uh, building these barriers, uh, and whether it be the Constantino wire or other uh, anti-climate border barriers, whatever we've been building, the Biden administration uh, is now trying to attack us because of it, uh, and we will continue to do exactly what we're doing to expand our denial of illegal entry into the state of Texas. With state employees, I assume, not with National Guard, but w can you envision a scenario in which you would put armed state employees on the border instead of the National Guard of Texas? We, we do have other armed state employees uh, on the border as we speak right this minute. And uh, there's the Texas Department of Public Safety, as well as other law enforcement officers, as well as National Guard from other states. And you can be assured there will be more National Guard from other states and more law enforcement officers within the state of Texas and other states. And, Tucker, I just signed a law, a new law in the state of Texas that will go into effect on March the 5th that authorizes any law enforcement officer in the state of Texas to be able to arrest anybody coming across the border illegally. 
Have you spoken to the president or anyone from the Biden White House about what appears to be uh, an imminent collision? I have not, to be clear. Uh, I have spoken to the president about the border. Uh, I met him on a tarmac in El Paso and talked to him directly about what was going on. I handed him a letter that had in it immediate solutions he could take that would immediately secure the border without the need of any new law to be passed. Despite the fact that I handed him uh, on altogether eight different letters, he has refused to ever respond. My point in telling you that we have laid down the precursor of what's called Article Article 4, Section 4 of the United States Constitution to show that uh, we have been invaded and we have demanded support from the president to safeguard our state. And they have refused to do so eight times. And that authorized me to, uh, uh, to declare an invasion under Article 1, Section 10 of the Constitution to make sure that Texas is going to be able to use every tool in our arsenal to defend our state. Uh, of the couple of dozen Republican-led states who pledged support for you, um, how many do you think would send National Guard to Texas? I'll be shocked and disappointed if almost all of them do not. There, there have been about 10 so far that have sent National Guard or uh, other law enforcement. They now are joined together with us. And this is a fight for the future of America, and they all know it. And so I believe that they will all be in on December. It's just a remarkable moment. Uh, and I know you're heading out, but my final question is, how do you see this resolving? What happens next? Well, Texas is going to continue to expand the border barriers that we are erecting, the razor wire that we're putting up, uh, and to continue to gain control of more land uh, over the coming months. I believe, however, that this will all come to an end on January the 20th of next year, because I believe a new president will be sworn in, a president who will actually enforce the immigration laws of the entire country, not just the Texas border, but New Mexico and Arizona and California and the Canadian border also. Uh, and we will have safe and secure borders once again because we will have a president who actually will enforce the laws of the United States of America. But in the next year, are you concerned about any kind of conflict between state uh, forces, whether state employees or National Guard and federal forces? So, Tucker, all we can do is be as prepared as possible, deploy as many people as possible, uh, do as much as possible uh, to put up more border barriers uh, and deny illegal entry. Uh, and our head is down. We're working hard, uh, regardless of what the Biden administration is doing. Governor Greg Abbott of Texas joining us now from India. Thank you very much, Governor. Mm, Thomas Jefferson's statue removed from New York City Hall after 187 years standing. <clears throat> Now, this is one for the bizarre and weird. The sun is actually cold. Come across this one today. Let's give this guy a listen. The sun is actually cold. His name's Stuart Swerdraw, apparently Montauk Project whistleblower. This is a concept. This is what's written in the actual quick writing up. This is a concept that I pulled from this video a long time ago that I've held on to. His explanation of why the sun isn't hot has stuck with me for years. Thinking about it, this way just seems to make sense. They literally lie to us about everything anyway. All right. Have a listen to this. 
So these objects that are coming in or passing out through the sun, these are actually going through a, a vortex, if you will, a black hole in one universe coming in through our sun here. Now, there's something else you should know about the sun because people think, well, is the sun so hot, wouldn't that burn up the objects? And the answer to that is the sun is actually not hot. And I know that sounds loony toony to you, but it's cold fusion. Think about something. I'm sure many of you have uh, gone in an airplane, yes? And it could be very hot on the surface of the ground, and then you take off. And if you look at the monitor, uh, you can see, especially on international flights, they do this. As soon as you go into the atmosphere, it's way below zero. 50, 60, 70 below zero. Now think about it. You're going up, literally closer to the sun. Why does it get colder? Shouldn't it get hot? And if the sun is hot, shouldn't space, interstellar space and the solar system space, shouldn't be warm out in space, but yet it's hundreds of degrees below zero. Why? Because it is not hot. The sun is not hot. It's just light. And what creates the heat on the earth is our atmosphere and the light refracting through the atmosphere and then reflecting off the surface of the planet, which is why it's only warm at the surface. And as higher you go, it gets colder. So keep that in mind. Next on my little listy Lou. Richard Stanley on the gateway to the hallow earth and other mystery places. The Higher Side Chats. Get the full two-hour interview with THC+. Topics covered are Gnosticism, Hidden History, Hidden Knowledge, High Strangeness, and Mysterious Places. Let's have a listen to this for 10 minutes. His whole grail mission to um, Montsegur. Um, Otto and a bunch of the SS guys went to Iceland and then proceeded to go up to the North Icelandic Cape uh, to uh, into the um, yeah the Arctic Circle, and um, we don't know why, and we don't know what happened there, uh, which is um, something that uh, kept me scratching my head for um, for years and years. Uh, Otto also um, published two books, and. Um, claims at the end of his second book that these are the first two parts of his trilogy um, that the, the the manuscript of the third book is already complete he describes it um, lying on the tabletop in front of him and he says that he started writing the third book on the north icelandic cape and i'd have to hope that somewhere in this missing third book of brown which no page survives of and um, obviously was never published would reveal what really happened at the um the North Icelandic Cape, uh, or, or, or why they went there, and it took me a few years to um, to get myself up there, and I followed Otto as far as as, as I could. Uh, I knew I knew he'd gone to Reichholt. I knew he'd sat in Snorri Sturluson's hot tub at this lava construction where Snorri wrote the Eddas. Uh, uh, where he'd, Otto had been there on um, yeah Midsummer's Day in 1936, so um, I was able to. Um, follow him part of the way and then we the place that you're talking about is a um a warm water um lake underneath the um the, the slopes i believe it's mount kufla in the um on the north icelandic cape 
and certainly I'm going down there and uh, I, I was seeing carvings in the rocks. A lot of what looked like pictoglyphs or oem um, lines down of strokes through them and um, different faces. Now, I'm not an archaeologist and I have no idea um, of the age of those things. Like they could be hoaxes from um, 20 years ago. They could be hoaxes from the 19th century. I don't know who carved those things, but um, the um, overall feel was like... Uh, the, it had a, an elfin quality. The, it, 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 it feels like it's somewhere, um, I guess, close to Elfland, which is something that turns up um, throughout the story. In Iceland, they um, really believe in elves, in, um, in invisible people who live on a, a slightly different frequency. And that was definitely the, uh, the vibe I was getting down there. And it may be that some local Icelandic people had carved those faces into the into the stone and into the rock, but it certainly added to the the eerie sensation of the, of, of of being at the um yeah the very edge of um yeah of, I I don't know what the stories about the Nazis of the Hollow Earth um prevail and prevail. I mean uh, on that particular expedition, I was reading um Land That Time Forgot by Edgar Rice Burroughs, which um, <laughs> Yeah, I love the Hollow Earth lore. Uh, I like a lot of the same fiction that you've talked about that, you know, Edgar Allan Poe has some writings about it. Lovecraft obviously thought something could live inside the earth. Just the general idea I'm a big fan of. I don't know how much truth there is to it, but just the idea of hidden lands that we don't necessarily know about, things that used to be on old maps that seem to not be there anymore, islands like that, and the mystic north, the idea that there is either some kind of crazy mountain at the North Pole that's uh, you know way out there in a remote area, and there might be something beneath it. There's that old map that seems to show four rivers flowing out of the Iron Mountain at the North Pole. What do you think of some of that stuff? Do you think that there, one might actually find something they wouldn't expect if they actually did get to the North or South Pole? I think it's almost inevitable that we're going to find something that we don't expect. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think we're, we're much too presumptuous about uh, what we think we know about the past. Uh, certainly, um, we know it, uh, only very, very little about what's um, really been going on for um, the last few million years. Um, the number of um, bits of um, erroneous technology and um, bizarre bits and pieces left behind from um, before recorded history um, continue to um, to stack up. And um, with some. Um, the world seemingly heating up at the moment, and the yeah the ice caps melting. Um, I wonder what else is going to um, come to the surface. I mean, generally throughout my life, I've um, found it's always valuable to go and look for oneself, because um, taking the uh, hands-on approach, uh, um, literally going and taking a look, uh, works wonders for one's skepticism, eh? because you constantly see shit which just shouldn't exist. Yes, yes. <laughs> It does. That's what I think is so amazing about you. It takes a certain personality to do that. Like, I'm definitely a reader and a wonderer and an imaginer. 
because I just think we get so many things attached to us and we get bogged down and the life we have where we are and we don't have this quality that allows us to just go and see but I think that's really amazing and I'm curious obviously that's why you live where you live now it's why you took the journey to this cave but are there any other noteworthy mystical places that you think you've experienced that are a little more off the radar that people don't talk about maybe on the trail of auto ron maybe not um plenty uh but they, 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 there's a lot of places out there i wouldn't recommend anyone else try to get to <laughs> just because um they, 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 they're too it's too edgy uh um a lot of these places what what's what places that we really where we really don't know what's going on are pretty hard to get to these days so they're going to be at like the bottom of the ocean um the only time i've been in the blank spot on the map which i literally read relief data incomplete on even the best um yeah aerial navigation charts that i was able to get was in the middle of the um the hindu kush and the karakoram mountains and the and that, that entailed having to um sneak into afghanistan and um nearly getting killed a bunch of times uh, but um on the back of that i was trying to get towards um a Bactrian sun temple called Shamsi Balk, uh, the high light or the elevated candle that I was quite convinced at the time was the real Shambhala. Uh, but, <laughs> but don't try that. Don't do it. Uh, um, another one that um, was super powerful, um, but again, don't try it. It was. Um, a place which um, I only have the German name for it. It's, it's called, they called it Spitzkop. It's in the middle of the Namib Desert. It's about um, 300 clicks from the Tar Road on uh, when you yeah, come out of um, on the road to yeah, Swakopmund in, um, in Namibia. And it's basically in the middle of a completely flat place. There are these huge volcanic extrusions, massive big rock spire things that have come out of the out of the earth. And they were, they were obviously um, hugely important to um, nomadic people um, thousands of years ago because they're absolutely crawling with rock art and painted with just unknown rock art everywhere and artifacts lying left, right and center. But um, it's super far from anywhere. And everyone who went out there had huge trouble. Um, People went crazy. Um, electromagnetic fields gave them headaches. Made, uh, made people made people mad. Uh, when I was out there, I was, we were randomly attacked by a bunch of folk who seemed to be out of hills have eyes, who I think were just waiting down there to trap tourists. Um, so I would not advise trying to get to Spitzkopf, but that place was super powerful. Um, it didn't like the fact that we were there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> amazing, amazing. All right. The list continues. If you hurt our women or children, don't beg for mercy. There won't be any. Protect the children. Stop pedos and child trafficking now. That's right. Parents stand together. Several weeks ago, in a vote to allow trans students to use whatever bathroom they wish, you assured us that these policies were perfectly safe, as neither yourself nor law enforcement could provide a single example of any trans student assaulting any girl 
in any bathroom, in any school, in any state, anywhere in all, in fact. But not to worry, since you couldn't locate them, I took the trouble to. See, Loudoun County, Virginia, where last year, under district policy, a trans student was allowed into the woman's bathroom where he assaulted a girl. To cover it up, they moved him to another school where he did it again. See Irvine, California last month, where a trans student entered the women's locker room and flashed the girls there. When they confronted him, he mercilessly beat them. This happened again in Gwinnett County, Georgia. This happened again in Oklahoma City. This happened again in Ohio, where a trans man was allowed to use the locker room where he was arrested for flashing little girls. The judge dropped the charges after he ruled that this man was too fat for them to see anything. Last month, in this city, a man using they-them pronouns in a scene straight out of Silence of the Lambs hunted down and killed a female jogger because he, quote, wanted to look just like her. And before you say that these are anecdotal evidence, just note that in a survey of trans inmates in federal prisons, half were convicted of sexual assault and 90% were convicted of violent crimes well above the general prison population. Now, it should also be noted that in each of these cases, each of these perpetrators had either changed their pronouns, had undergone transition, or had received gender-affirming therapy and accommodations thereof. Why is this important to note? Probably for the same reason we recognize as a society that you do not affirm that people with anorexia can be healthy in any way. You do not affirm that somebody with schizophrenia is hearing voices. And you do not affirm that somebody in a manic episode is having great ideas. Because when you leave somebody to languish in their false mental state, i.e. men who think they are women, they will inevitably lash out and harm themselves and those around them. Hurt people hurt other people. But I don't want to pretend and have the hubris to think that I'm going to be the one to change your mind. I'm happy to share any and all of these examples with you. But you will most likely leave here tonight believing that men can become women, affirming care works, and that you made the right vote. But you will no longer be able to look into the eyes of your constituents and honestly say that you are unaware of the assaults that inevitably take place when we declare to women, you have no right to privacy. Thank you very much. Very good. Very good. until now. Quitting politics. Today, that Scott Morrison is quitting politics. But his role has been kept under wraps until now. I can exclusively reveal that Morrison will be joining leading Trump administration figures at two separate companies. My US sources tell me that Morrison will be working with former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo at a defense VC company. Mike Pompeo, as you know, is the former head of the CIA, and he announced that he was joining Dine Maritime earlier this month. It's a new Australian-founded, US-based venture capital company that invests in technologies related to the AUKUS Military Intelligence Sharing Pact. Scott Morrison and Mike Pompeo became good friends during their time in politics, with common ground, both when it comes to their passion for national security 
their concern about Chinese Communist Party and their deep personal faith. Then, in a separate move, Scott Morrison would join Donald Trump's former National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien at the firm he co-founded and is chairman of American Global Strategies. Well, well, well. Now, over the past couple of years, I've interviewed on multiple occasions both Robert O'Brien and Mike Pompeo. They are highly impressive figures, and Scott Morrison will undoubtedly make his mark in the defence and intelligence space. And you've got to stick with us on Sky News tonight because Scott Morrison is going to be on with Paul Murray right after my show for an exclusive interview. So don't go anywhere. Now- One big club, eh? One big club. Argentina's still going off. Thousands and thousands of people protest in Argentina against President Milius planned budget cuts. <clears throat> Farmers' protests have reached Italy. RAI News. Dozens of tractors have made their way through the province of Chieti, as well as on highways near Lazio, Sicily and Pratola Paligna. Demonstrators are protesting the removal of subsidised fuel tax hikes and synthetic meat. China. China, China, China. On the radar at the moment. Let's have a little sticky beat for a minute. Welcome back to Special Report. Tonight we examine the situation between China and Taiwan. In the last 24 hours, Taiwan's defense ministry says at least 23 Chinese aircraft were spotted off the coast of mainland China to the southeastern part there, in between China and Taiwan. There is this, the island's self-declared air defense identification zone, and there's this median line right here. About 13 aircraft crossed that median line in joint combat patrols with Chinese vessels. China has also sent an increasing number of high-altitude balloons into this region. Taiwan's defense ministry says they've recorded balloons almost every day this month. Four were detected in the last day. Two balloons were detected right over here, over Taichung City, the island's second largest city. One was spotted north of the island. It also kind of went east. And then another was spotted just west of Taiwan and flew all the way across uh, the island. As Jennifer Griffin reported last night, the U.S. Navy confirmed it sailed a warship through the Taiwan Strait right here. And this escalation on both sides really comes after presidential and parliamentary elections on the island. What you look at here is who is recognizing Taiwan. There are actually 12 countries recognizing Taiwan as an independent nation. But there are fears the number could be declining and dwindling, especially with nations in the South Pacific. Mmm. China, China, China. 528 hertz. Ever heard of it? It will transform your DNA entirely. That's right. An entire DNA transformation. Nearly the precise center of the entire electromagnetic color spectrum. only one number, only one number in the entire numbering system, whereby 
the electromagnetic color spectrum is the same as the sound system. That one number is 528. Both the same in color and sound. 528 hertz frequency. A miraculous key that opened doors that no man can close and closed doors that no man can open. 528. It will change your life in the most beneficial way. And now we have substantive evidence, massive amounts of evidence that that is what 528 is. Ultimately, what has happened with this planet is that we are in dissonance to another note, another frequency. It turned out that when we discovered the original musical scale, there was not just six, but a total of nine core creative frequencies to the universe. That is, everything in the universe is made from nine notes, only nine. And that the first six are the sofeggio, and then there's three additional ones that form a perfect circle of sound. And that perfect circle of sound looks something like this. If you graph it. So the first six notes, 396-417-528-639-741-852, was the original solfeggio scale. The 528 that you can see on my left in green is the color green. It's the heart of the rainbow. That's the miracle note from the original solfeggio note, from the original solfeggio scale. And the other note that you see, 741, which is part of nature, is called the devil's interval in musicology. That when you play 741 with 528, it creates such an annoying and dissonant energy, diseasing, stressful, that if you continue to listen to it, you could die. And so that the concept here is interesting. In the world today, we have people who are controlling virtually everything economically, geopolitically. Their agenda has been population manipulation, population control for millennia. They have held the secret knowledge, the ancient music, by which the pyramids were constructed based on the math. All of the universe is constructed according to these nine tones. They knew about them. In fact, they instituted. In fact, it was the Rockefeller Foundation in 1939 that instituted the world's standard tuning. The Western world tunes to A440 hertz frequency. That when you tune your instrument to that, the F sharp note is 741. Precisely. The a440 is what now is the standard tuning if you go a439 you're closer to one of the creator's tones if you go a441 you're closer to one of the creator's original tones that's how precisely it has been manipulated to do what to shut down 95 percent of your brain particularly the right brain that operates the heart-mind for the divine human community. Here is a metaphor so that you begin to understand what we're talking about. When you go driving your car and your channel and radio is tuned to a station and you're grooving to the music, you love that music. As you get farther and farther away from the 
broadcasting tower, that music gets staffed. You start to lose the signal from the clear channel broadcast, and it gets staticky. When it gets staticky, you get a little annoyed. But you want to listen to it. You really have a heart for that music, so you continue to listen to it for another 10-15 miles, and suddenly it becomes so annoying that you just get disgusted. You go ah, and you shut it off. And if you continue to listen to it, you get sick. That's what we're talking about here. Except you don't even know that you've been listening to the static your whole life. You don't even know what the true resonant frequency is because it has been kept. So, in other words, the master composer, master conductor of the Universal Orchestra is singing love songs in five to eight, uplifting everything simultaneously. And we're the only species out of two. And accepting staff for the clear channel, Dr. Masaru Emoto. He goes up on stage and he has a, a triangular, you know, a musical triangle that he hits like in an orchestra. He's hitting it over here. He hits it, bing, and about 30 yards or 30 feet away is his interpreter standing here with the same exact replica of that same size triangle. Frequency tuned to the same frequency, and he tells his interpreter to put a microphone next to it. And suddenly, this one starts to resonate. He hits that one over there. This one starts resonating. How much of your body is full of water? They used to say when I was at Harvard School Public Health, the truth was back then about 86%, 85, 86% of your body, well hydrated, was water. Today they tell us it's only 75%. Hogwash! They've been dehydrating everybody with the poisons. 93% of the function of DNA is light and sound reception and transmission. Photon, phonon, reception, transmission for intercellular communication and cellular upregulation. You know what cellular upregulation means? It means precipitation in the now, 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 every millisecond, instant second. You're re-manifesting right now in water. Water is the most energy conductive of all of the materials. It's a superconductor. Let me give you the fundamental, the rudimentary origin of the numbers. Here it is. The most important numbers: three, sixes, and nines. Again, Tesla said Tesla created Tesla coil. Tesla coils, energy amplifiers. Your DNA is an energy amplifier, a coil, operating by the three sixes and nines primarily. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, you've probably looked at engines or motors, magnets that have been wound with copper wire. When you do that, when you wind the copper. Coil the copper around the magnet. It enhances the energy dramatically. That's what your DNA is. It's an antenna to the Creator. Every single cell of your body has this energy capability. It has this divine intelligence. What does that mean? That means the first 
entities that you should be communing with in order to uplift yourself, sustain yourself, heal yourself, is the billions of cells in your body that have its own unique genetic intelligence, its own sacred spiral to the Creator. And so this is the structure of the way that the universe operates, which does fabulous for us, our understanding of some of the most wonderful um, pieces of information to make, allow us to live a faithful life. <laughs> Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Three, six, six and three is nine. Nine and six are 15. Five plus one is six. Half of six is three. 15 plus nine is 24. Four plus two is six. Half of six is three. And on and on. 24 plus 15, 39. Nine, 10, 11, 12. Two plus one is three. Very interesting thought there, Uncle Osmond. <clears throat> uh, dead alive, what happened here? A hold up. A Zimbabwean man who invented um, an electric car that never needs charging is reportedly missing. Uh, you don't want to be much of an inventor these days, my friends. You either get suicidal or missing. Now, next on my little list. This was one that I'd actually done today, so I'm not going to do it. It's, um, yeah, it's an interview that I'd already put up on Outsides, and so is that one. So is that one. This is one that I've warned about for quite some time, several years now. Um, it's about, I'm pretty sure it's the cholesterol one I've got here. Yeah, cholesterol-lowering medications, guys. Check this out. Put everyone over the age of 40 on cholesterol-lowering medication, yeah? Are you ready for the side effects? Dementia, muscle wasting, Alzheimer's, memory loss, and they've just added another one, breast cancer. I'll tell you a story to illustrate. I had a lady and a man attend my programs in New Zealand. I think that was about uh, two years ago. They were in their early 70s. Tuesday night, I spoke on heart disease where I revealed what's happening with cholesterol. They came to me on Thursday. They said, we, we need to talk to you. I said, yes. The man looked at his wife and she just had her head down. He said, we're about to put my wife in aged care. He said, she was leaving the iron on. We, we got to the point where we won't be able to handle her. He said, we came to your lecture and we heard what the cholesterol-lowering medication does. She's been on it for 10 years. It was Lipitor. There's a whole book written on the dangers of Lipitor. He said, so we stopped because they heard me say there will be a side effect to stopping Lipitor. Your memory will return. He said to me, yep. we're on our third day. And he said, I've got my wife back. He said, we, we are not putting her. We did not want to, but he said it was getting so difficult. And they both had tears in their eyes. How many people are in aged care with dementia and Alzheimer's and memory loss? And it's the cholesterol-lowering medication. I, I believe personally this verges on criminal, especially when you hear what I'm about to say. Yep, I've seen that several times in my industry within 12 to 24 months. Complete decline in their memory, classed as Alzheimer or dementia, and off they go. Mm, statin drugs, guys. Really look into them.
there's plenty of information out there. All right, I'm not sure what this guy's got about. I forget. I've actually seen him twice, and I still forget what he's talking about. This is called Keep It Up, People. A lot of people have this feeling, like the game is so rigged, it's already... Oh, yeah, I like this sort of stuff. That's right. He um he gives you a bit of hope. He gives you a bit of um just have a real deep think about things, you know, and don't let things take you down and get you to heart that where we are in this crazy world. So this might give you a little bit of that that nice little... That little hope feeling, I guess you could call it. In one, and we have no chance of stopping it. And that's not true. In fact, if anything, I think we might be winning it. Throughout our lifetimes, there's been a number of ways that the rich and powerful have, let's say, controlled. Oh, why there? Um, just let me take it back a sec. Just got to get the volume right here. Yeah, it's just going to freeze a sec, so I'm just going to give it a two seconds back here, reload it. Yeah, it, um, this one goes for five minutes. I'm not sure the gentleman's name. It doesn't actually say it on the thing that I've got here. But um, anyway, he brings out some good good thinking points, I reckon, and just, yeah, don't get too down, guys. I know things are quite screwed up, but um, we've got to reach the bottom of the barrel before we reach the heights, you know. And um, sometimes these things just happen. And um, ongoing, nothing new under the sun. Feeling like the game is so rigged, it's already been won, and we have no chance of stopping it. And that's not true. In fact, if anything, I think we might be winning it. Throughout our lifetimes, there's been a number of ways that the rich and powerful have, let's say, controlled our lives and the world. And I'm going to show you how every single one of those tools is crumbling underneath them. Let's start with news in the corporate media. By every metric, it's failing. Cable news viewership, social media interactions with news sites, live TV viewership. In November 2023, Fox News had an average of 1.7 million viewers per day. Dude, I get more views than that some days on TikTok, let alone people like Joe Rogan. But notice that of those 1.7 million viewers per day, almost all of them were over the ages of 55. The dark bar is anyone 25 to 55. The blue bar is their total viewership. So it's all boomers sitting in their chairs watching news. Or this article from Bloomberg, time spent watching TV has dropped by three hours over the last decade. But real quick, uh, we went from spending almost nine hours a day, excuse me? We used to watch an average of nine hours of TV a day? Who are you people? But it doesn't stop with cable news. All of Hollywood is screwed right now because no one's going to the movies. I'd imagine that part of that is because their movies have sucked. And I'd imagine that part of that is because a lot of people are starting to realize that a lot of the movies that they're putting out are kind of just corporate propaganda for, like, ideals they want us to champion. Instead of genuine entertainment made by genuinely creative people that just want to create amazing storytelling. Plus, they've been taken up by streaming, and streaming has not been going very well from a financial standpoint. Even sports viewership is down, aside from the NFL. All the other sports are tanking. And when the Roman Empire is falling, and they can't even get people to watch the circuses and eat the bread, there's problems. Speaking of bread and circuses, the music industry, which has long been used to control what young people think is cool, that music industry is also failing. So if we adjust the growth of the global recorded music industry from 1999 to today, and we account for the M2 money supply, you will find that the music industry has not only not kept up with inflation or the growth of the money supply, but it's actually lost against the growth of the money supply. That means that during the most insane everything bubble to come along in ever, the music industry failed to even beat inflation. 
all of these industries are slowly failing right before our eyes. And it's all happening for the exact same reason. And they all center around technologies that allow us to entertain ourselves, allow us to inform ourselves, allow us to support one another instead of giant businesses. Take TikTok, for example. This woman, Tiffany Cianci, got attacked by billions of dollars worth of private equity and they started to just throw millions of dollars worth of lawsuits at her thinking she couldn't defend against that however her husband is a federal attorney and they put up a damn good fight and they've been fighting for years and because of tiktok she's been able to reach millions of people 800,000 300,000 900,000 300,000 1.7 million she's been on the front page of the new york times because of all the press she's drummed up what used to be a simple bury it in money and legal cases is now you're fighting against the entire internet of connected citizens. Well, we're on the topic. Congrats, Tiffany, on the recent victory in court. Or take Amy Nelson, for example, who's under the same sort of fire from Amazon for a legal action that is no basis against her husband, where they thought they could just bury them in millions of dollars of legal fees. They fought for four years and they finally won. And along the way, they reached millions of people. Amazon actually tried to get the court to force her to close her TikTok account because she was reaching so many people exposing what they were doing. Not to mention that the news is failing while we're all tuning into social media to get our own news, where we're now engaging in a global discussion of sources and information and sharing what we see. One need only look to the way that the mainstream network news is covering that conflict in the Middle East versus how the whole internet is covering the conflict in the Middle East to see their power crumbling in real time. Certainly, the fight is not over and we all need to participate. But this decade is a time of change. It's a time of disruption and we're all a part of it. I know it's tiring and I know it feels depressing when it seems like it's all stacked against us. But the systems that big money has always relied upon to control the narrative, to control our attention, to keep us in the boxes only knowing what they want us to know, they're all falling apart. Now is not a time for us to lose hope and to give up. Now is a time for us all to get loud and keep fighting. That's why I make spreadsheets to help people buy from small family-owned businesses instead of giant mega corporations to take money out of the system of giant, rich, powerful people that are controlling everything. That's why I make content like this, digging into how big money works and how these giant corporations are controlling the things that we see and know. Because sure, the internet gives them a lot of power, but it gives us more. And one of the last viable tactics that big money has is to make... Right, next on the list. Uh, what have I got here? The truth will be told. The truth, an insightful 10-minute look at the hidden history of Australia. That's one I was going to do an Australian show on. Um, all right, this one's quite interesting. It goes into a, quite a few little things here. It's um the Great Mud Flood, Tartaria. Now, um... There's a lot of things to get around about Tartaria. Actually, it wouldn't be a bad um, one for Russ's show, um, or the mud flood. It sort of would blend into a couple of others that we sort of bought up here and there. Um, but anyway, this one's, um, it's called Eredin Law. The Great Mud Flood, Tartaria punished those moron, or those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. George Santayana in 1863 to 52 the official version of human of human history is a construct of lies we are in a state of collective amnesia 
let's free ourselves from the artificial matrix that has been imposed on us. <clears throat> now, I haven't heard all this. I've just heard a little bit here and there of it. So it goes for... Much like all history. It goes for 21. Now, I'm going to play the whole damn thing because I think it's interesting and fascinating to listen to because people and overall that have heard about this so-called theory of the mud flood, Tartaria, and all the little issues that evolve around that. I think you might even go into the one that I've done on the Cabbage Patch one about the, um, you know, the children and babies and incubators and all these other crazy stuff around the turn of the century. So I'm going to um, chill out, sit back, and um, file me nails and have a listen for 20 minutes, I reckon. Check this out. ...has been buried. The topics have been addressed in a manner of introduction. They are events. The mud flood an event which, like the buildings it smothered, that has been buried in history, left behind elegant but grand bastions of inconceivable construction, litter the world, created by a people who many believe belong to the dead empire of Tartaria. This undocumented silt tide being a catastrophic affair was yet the most recent in man's many extinction tales. In this video I am to discuss the mud flood with the goal to entice people to read the works within the Bible so that they may follow, more closely, the Word of God. If you enjoyed the contents of this video, please remember to like, and if you would want to see more, subscribe. The Industrial Revolution transformed the world. Because of it, we are where we are today. To quote National Geographic, most historians place the origin of the Industrial Revolution in Great Britain in the middle decades of the 18th century. In the British Isles and most of Europe at this time, most social activity took place in small and medium-sized villages. People rarely travelled far beyond their home village. During the 18th century, the population of Britain and other European countries began rising significantly. Within a blink of an eye, the world was taken out of the Middle Ages and thrust into the future. Either this was the cause of mass enlightenment, or the people of the time had inherited the ruins of a previous civilization. It is here where the theory of the mud flood is found. It was a mass extinction event which led to the depopulation of the whole earth. The remnants of what was left are located in every country. Whether by today's world, they are rich or poor, they once shared the same architectural choices hinting at a united peoples or former empire. It was the death of the rulers of old, the ending of royal bloodlines, which manipulated the world into war. This removal extended from blood to brick, as it is a shared belief within the mud flood community that the mass bombings seen within the First and Second World Wars were to erase evidence of a history that could not be explained. However, many structures survived, and it is by looking into their reported creation and purpose where the told narrative begins to fall apart. John Levi, a person and channel that has been active in this field for many years, recently released a video titled Old America Ruins. He showcases many structures with inconsistent narratives, and towards the end of this video, he reveals his upcoming book. I have chosen to use these buildings as beginning examples. As the sources are diverse, and not from Wikipedia. As John highlights, the people documenting the supposed historical records are somewhat perplexed at how these structures are seemingly thrown up in a year or two. 
First, the Baldwin Hotel. Located in San Francisco, the narrative tells us that it is a 19th century luxury hotel and theater built by a millionaire. An extremely wealthy individual overseeing the design and construction of these intricate giants is all too common. These individuals were not responsible for just one, but multiple, all across the United States and Europe. This alone should raise suspicions. As within their lifetimes, they were able to quickly erect dozens of palace-like buildings during a period where wars were being fought, extreme poverty was commonplace, and horse and cart were the only means of transportation. Carts, whose wooden spoke wheels had to travel across unpaved roads, up and down the country, and who would buckle under weight. The Baldwin Hotel was 200,000 square feet, and was built within one year. 23 years later it would succumb to a fire, resulting in its demolishment. Where today, another building is in its place. When researching the history of these buildings, it too is commonplace that a fire resulted in their destruction, leading them to be abandoned or completely demolished. For our next example, we take a look at the Palace Hotel, located again in San Francisco. The hotel was the result of a banker and entrepreneur who invested $5 million into its construction. It covered 600,000 square feet of floor space, and impressively it was constructed within one year. However, unfortunately, much like the Baldwin Hotel, it was destroyed. Its demise was brought about by a catastrophic fire. For our last example, we yet again remain in San Francisco. The Hibernia Bank Building began construction in 1892 and was completed within a single year. Its assembly is the result of an architect who is credited with introducing the Beaux-Arts architectural style to San Francisco. Fortunately, unlike the other examples, this building survived its fire and reopened in just five short weeks after the event. I could continue to give examples as they, like their weak narratives, are endless. However, that is not the point of this video. The reason is to get you to question your surroundings and the history you have been told. It is exactly whose history we have learned which is the driving force of this video, as it is his story that does not match up. San Francisco was singled out due to not only the buildings, but the city as a whole, whose origins are questionable. Another channel, who goes by the name of Geo Man C, released a video titled Star Forts, Intro to Resets and Hidden Black History. Within part one, he showcases a panorama picture that was taken in 1878. As he points out, he, nor I, when watching this, knew of technology and quality that was available during this time. This photograph was taken from an elevated position, where the boats upon the water, far off into the distance, can even be seen. The picture showcases a complete city, taken 29 years after a large population was said to appear with only shovels and pickaxes at hand. The city, its streets, its roads, windows, lampposts and buildings, that even for the time appear to predate this already old period, was constructed before the electric drill of 1889 was invented. So, if the city is established, and its people are housed and homed, then why are the streets empty? Where are the workers who defied what we thought was possible for their period? Perhaps they were off building another city in record time. Photographs such as this give an example, and countless others 
which showcase empty streets or a small population inhabiting buildings and cities that they seemingly are unable to fill are all too common to come across when researching the 1800s. Therefore, it is within the 1800s that the mud flood is accepted to have taken place. In a video titled, A Bird's Eye View of History, John Levi discusses maps of cities made within the 1800s. This video and showcased locations are what may help explain the existence of the 1878 panorama shot of San Francisco. A drawn map illustrating Seattle in 1889 was created by a mining and real estate brokers and auctioneers named Llewellyn, Dodge and Company. As is the case with San Francisco, Seattle is looking impressively complete for its period. The illustration even highlights key buildings along its edge, as if to entice people in a way of luring potential buyers to visualize what it is they will inherit when purchasing this package city deal. John gives further examples of many similarly styled advertisements for other cities within this video. And while reviewing the illustrations, he rightfully marvels at the precision of each city block and street. For a people without power tools and without the laser measurement techniques which we have today, they sure did a premium job. They did so well, in fact, that we continue to benefit from their layouts within our modern times and see no reason to correct their symmetry. However, when we do walk these old city streets, there are details that seem to be an odd choice. Within Geomancy's video titled America is the Old World, Reset Observations and Explorations Part 2, he showcases on-the-ground footage from many locations within the US, all across America, Britain, Europe and the world. You will find windows going below street level. This is the main source for people's belief in the mud flood. An event caused the earth and water, creating mud, to be spilled out across the continents. The people who came to inherit after this cataclysm then reformed from the level that they were now stuck with. Windows were dug out to allow for light, but many others were bricked up, leaving the obvious evidence of an arch. Bridges whose details seemingly sink and continue into a hill does not make sense. Form follows function, and if it was never intended to be seen, then why did the people of old put so much effort into it? When conducting this research, you will come across photographs of city streets whose buildings continue to go down into the earth. These buried segments feature doorways and windows as if they once went out into a now non-existent street level. To return to a bird's eye view of these city streets, again we are reminded that form follows function. So exactly what was the intended function? The answer is in the word electricity. In Geomancy's video titled Philadelphia, a city layout based on the Kabbalistic tree of life, he points out how the word electricity cannot be complete without the word city. When viewing any city from a bird's eye perspective, they very much resemble a circuit board. A printed circuit board, commonly referred to as a PCB, is used in almost all electronic products. They serve to transfer transform and to maintain electrical current. We as humans are beings who survive via electrical currents. Electricity is required for the nervous system to send signals throughout the body and to the brain, making it possible for us to move, think and feel. As is pointed out by the previously mentioned Geomancy's video, Philadelphia is laid out in accordance to the Kabbalistic tree of life. 
To quote a website that supports this satanic inward study, this not only serves to showcase how this knowledge is linked to the devil, but to confirm that these methods are ungodly and goes against the Most High, Yahweh. Quote, the Tree of Life is one of the most familiar of the sacred geometry symbols. The structure of the Tree of Life is connected to the sacred teachings of the Jewish Kabbalah, but can be seen 3,000 years earlier in Egypt. It is possible to see the Tree of Life structure in many places around the conscious universe. The structure is represented in nature and relates to the flower of life and seed of life. Satan, also known as Lucifer, which means the bright and shining one, since he was the most magnificent and brilliant angel ever created, was aware of all the secrets of the creation and the flower of life. The first thing he did was to take the construction of the egg of life and spin it into a different point of view or perception. Instead of the star tetrahedron point of view, which can be derived from this shape. This procedure changed our perception of reality. Satan repeated the process of creation out of the great void, but instead of copying the actions of the Creator, he changed the process of creation out of the great void. Instead of repeating God's creation, and creating the seed of life structure, and creating one sphere at a time in a vortex motion, he divided spirit into two, creating two centers. In this way, there are two centers instead of one. As mentioned, the Tree of Life predates the Jewish Kabbalah, dating back to Egypt, and even being found all over ancient earth. Satan inherited the earth when he fell. He is the prince of the air, the one who dons the obsidian crown. In the book of Matthew, Satan tempts our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Whilst Jesus is fasting for forty days and nights, the devil appears before him. Satan continues to twist scripture in an attempt to overthrow the one who was sent to crush the head of the serpent. Matthew chapter 4 reads, Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came, and ministered unto him. Satan attempts to purchase the Son of God with material possessions. He has the kingdoms, their riches, their power, their all, to give. As it is Satan who rules over this physical plane. So then, when you discover that the cities in which we inhabit today, whose buildings cannot be explained, covered by a fragile narrative of their construction, then who exactly were the previous people serving? Could it be that due to their practices, they were removed? with only their geometry remaining. This geometry serves to harness the natural energy of its citizens in some way, with key locations such as city halls, schools, financial districts, etc., representing each sephira of the tree of life. Therefore, in our time, could the construction of Saudi Arabia's line be yet another attempt at rearranging the transferal of human energy? for the betterment of the world, and the one who controls it. To return to a previously mentioned video, within, Starforts, Intro to Resets, and Hidden Black History, Part 1, Geo Mansi discusses the subject of Starforts. The narrative tells us that this universally shared shape and structure began in the 15th century. Originating within Italy, 
they serve as a bastion, holding gunpowder, cannons and troops. As showcased, Geomancy displays the incomplete yet seemingly innumerous locations of each star fort. If we are to believe that the 300 found locations of Geomancy's research were built within the 1500s, then that in itself should raise suspicion. Much like the capital buildings of countries, these star forts showcase a style that has been replicated worldwide, something that is only possible if the people of the time did, counter to the narrative, have worldwide available travel, or an empire uniting these peoples. The narrative tells us that they are located at points such as the coast, as to deter invasions. But the positions of the forts do not reflect that. If they were to be invaded, then these countries, and their positioned cannons, can be easily circumvented by going to the left or right. As highlighted by Geomancy, it would appear that these star forts, even the ones located within hills, valleys and mountains, have a consistent purpose, and that is to manipulate water. What is glazed over as to be a simple moat by the narrative are actually examples of the art of geomancy. To quote Feng Shui Society, Traditionally, geomancy is under the control of earth elementals. Like the I Ching, the Tarot, or any other divination system, it is simply a means of communication with the unconscious mind. This is how the 17th century geomancer Robert Flood understood geomancy to work. He described the making of marks upon which the geomantic chart is based in words which are today used to explain the movements made by the pendulum or divining rods used in dowsing. Quote, dowsing in occultism, use of a forked piece of hazel, rowan or willow wood, or of a Y-shaped metal rod, or of a pendulum suspended by a nylon or silk thread, in an attempt to detect such hidden substances as water, minerals, treasure, archaeological remains, and even dead bodies. Within those given quotes, the terms divination and occultism were used. In the Bible, during the times of Moses, the book of Deuteronomy contains the laws given to the Israelites before they are to enter the promised land. Deuteronomy chapter 18 reads, when thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you any one that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. It would appear that the people responsible for these worldwide structures acquired and practiced methods that were an abomination before the Lord God. A significant relic of these people still remain, spouted as being constructed within the 1800s, and that figure is the Statue of Liberty. The narrative informs us that its construction was completed in 1886, designed by a French sculptor. The statue is a figure of a pagan god, the Roman goddess of liberty, Libertas. Holding a torch in her right hand and a book in her left, it is said that she represents the Declaration of Independence and the national abolishment of slavery. However, the statue has more in common in its features with a male than a female. If you are aware of satanic beliefs, then you will know that the unification of man and woman in one body returning to the form 
before Eve was taken from Adam, is Satanists' eventual goal for all humanity. This statue not only bears the light like Lucifer once did, but it stands atop a star, stars who are representative of Satan and his worshippers. I made this video as a result of my own journey that I was taken through, to which was found the ultimate truth, Jesus Christ. This video also exists to point out to those unawares that there is more going on than one might imagine. These practices which tie into secret societies and use of symbolism that dates back to Babylon are continued to be propagated in our believed modern and advanced society. Nothing is new under the sun. The past civilization, who many refer to as Tartaria, had means to manipulate the earth. They harvested energy from the ground and air, with many of their methods remaining on our weathered buildings. I advise caution to anyone who already knows, or who goes on to research for themselves, the topics discussed in this video. Do not get lost in admiration for the past, as it is that past which birthed our future. The mud flood was punishment for their misdeeds, and its event, much like all history, has been buried. The topics have been addressed in a manner of introduction. They are events which take years to research. A single video would not do it all justice. I highly recommend the channels I have mentioned, with which you can find additional channels linked within the pinned comment. As mentioned in the beginning of this video, the aim is to get you interested in the works of the Bible. If your interest has been piqued, then please read the original text yourself. If you have additional commentary on the mud flood and the events discussed within this video, then please leave a comment. I look forward to reading them. If you wish to support the work I do here on this channel, please see my Patreon. You will be given exclusive access to additional content. On that note, thank you to my patrons and channel members. I am blessed to have your support. If you enjoyed, please remember to like and subscribe, as it helps the channel immensely. God bless, and goodbye. Oh, it's got this bloody sidetrack. We're talking about bloody refrigerators in the background. Bloody hell. I don't know about this one. This is John Gates made a terrifying discovery beneath El Morado. That's more of a woohoo that goes... Oh, that's right. It goes for too long anyway. Bit of a, more of a documentary sort of thing. Um... This is interesting. It's about abracadabra, the word abracadabra. Apparently, um, ab well, if you break it down, abra is pretty much, um, I was trying to think. I know it's what I spill. I create, I'm pretty sure it's create, is abra. I create, ka is what, and d. Or dab, dabra, is I speak. I create what I speak. Abracadabra. Words cast spells. That's why it's called spilling. Words are energy. Use them wisely. Abracadabra is actually a Hebrew phrase meaning, oh, here it is. I create what I speak. So there you go. I've got a little actually audio here I haven't listened to. Magic perfectly explained in a declassified CIA document. 
Now this one goes for, oh, it's only 50 seconds. Ah, oh, I don't think this talks actually. Ah, oh, yeah. Unfortunately, you can't see that. That's why I need to start one that you can actually see. Well, there's also been in Scotland, farmers are also protesting with all the other protesters around here and there around the countries, in the Europe's. April 8th is the beginning of 24, according to this lady. Okay, have a listen to this. She reckons it's April 8th is the beginning. Children of Israel, both natural and grafted in. It's not New Year. It's not the New Year, according to the seasons and the times that the Most High set for us. He set the moon and the sun to determine seasons and signs, signs of the moon, signs of the month changing, times that we are supposed to follow. But Rome came and changed the time the seasons, the months. And it is not the new year. Everything is dead in winter. Dead. Mammals are hibernating. They don't break forth and rise until spring. April, the 8th, is the new year. April the 8th is the new moon. Sundown on April 8th starts the Sabbath. And we are to follow it every seven days according to the new moon. I'm tired of the lies. I'm tired of the follies. I'm tired of falling for the foolishness that they have set before us, erasing out all of the signs and the seasons and the times that the Most High has set for His people. They want us to follow their calendar, their pagan holidays, their signs, and erasing the Most High. April 8, 2024 is spring. We are still in 2023. April 8, is the so total solar eclipse. I'm going somewhere with this. So it's not the new year. I will wish you a happy new year come April 8th. I'm tired of the lies. I'm not gonna be nobody's April fools. Y'all notice that? There's a day called April Fool's Day. They're making a mockery out of all of you who follow their calendar. They know. They want us off track. They want us not to be able to follow the signs and the seasons and the times. I'm not falling for the okie doke. No more. They want us to follow Rome, which is the beast system. I'm not falling for it. No more. 
So come April, I wish you a happy new year. Y'all take care. Be blessed. All right. Well, I'm getting distracted in the background now, the last few minutes or so. So I'm just going to have to end this broadcast. All right. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to cut this before the two hours. I've got, got to get some things done here. Some people on high demand, if you know what I mean. High demanders. Can't have that. Ramming around the house. Bloody hell. All right. I'm going to have to take it out. I'll catch us all in the next episode. Anyway, it's not too much. We only had about 15 minutes left. I didn't even realise we went over the hour and a half. I was going to have an open line, but anyway, we're getting too many distractions. And so for the sake of 15 minutes, I'm going to cut it down now. Take care all. I'll catch us on the next episode. There is no doubt about that. longer